Amen. children, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, yeah, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, I let it shine, let it shine to show my lover I'm gonna tell you that everywhere I go I'm gonna let it shine and everywhere I go I'm gonna let it shine yeah everywhere I go I'm gonna let it shine, I let it shine, let it shine to show my lover. I got to tell you that even in my home, I'm gonna let it shine. To show my lover I got to tell you that When I see my neighbor coming I'm gonna let it shine ha. I think I see my neighbor coming I better let it shine Yeah When I see my neighbor coming I'm gonna let it shine let it shine, let it shine to show my love. How I like to say amen, 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 amen. I wonder what everybody joined me on the last course. Everybody? Amen. Amen, a little louder. Hey, amen, with the spirit. Hey, amen, amen, amen. Wide open, I had every choice. With so many 
choices I just didn't know what to do now All the trees, forget it, but you tell me I regret it Let it be what it is, cause it's so easy to say My daddy sat me down He said, son, it's probably time to stop making some plans He said, no, life right now With so many choices, I just didn't know what to do now All it is, forget it when you tell me I regret it, let it be what it is Cause it's too easy to say Good morning. My name is Jenny Afkinich, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I am a member of your board of trustees, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to worship today at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their lands that we in Columbia reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty Minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. I want to express my gratitude to all within our community who are striving to keep us connected and to provide meaningful worship services during this unusual and trying time. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whomever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. 
We particularly welcome any guests who are watching this service. We hope you will join us in the future when we return to worship again at the, at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center so that we may have a chance to meet you and welcome you in person. The Board of Trustees has two announcements this morning. First, our regular monthly meeting will be this Tuesday, January 11th at 6.30 p.m. via Zoom. Among other things, we will be hearing a mid-year financial update, voting on proposed changes to our board policies, and discussing our first open question for the year, which is, how shall we become a congregation inspired to work within our community for environmental justice? The agenda and materials are posted on UUCC's website. Please join us. Second, we are thrilled to announce Valerie Shu as UUCC's new executive director beginning January 17th. Valerie has served as our director of youth and young adult services for over two years and will be taking over for Sean Griffin who is leaving in just one week. We are excited to see her transition into her new role and are looking forward to doing great things for this community together. Congratulations, Valerie. Please see the announcements link in today's order of service for more information. And finally, we hope to see you at 4 p.m. today for our monthly Black Lives Matter vigil by the mall in Columbia. Join us to give public witness to the problem of anti-Black racism in our neighborhood, nation, and world, and to show that all lives will matter when Black Lives Matter. Please bring your own signs if you have them. We look forward to seeing you there. Thanks.
Good morning, UUCC and guests, friends. My name is Paige Getty. I use she, her pronouns, and it is my great privilege to serve as minister of this congregation and to be with you in this strange time this morning. It is good to be together again after a couple of weeks apart. Thank you from me and all the staff for the gift of a holiday break over New Year's week. Thank you for that. And thank you, too, for your patience and understanding and solidarity today and this month as we have again made the decision, the loving decision, to suspend in-person gatherings here in our sanctuary. It's really not as warm and wonderful for Michael and me and the tech team to be the only ones here in this big room today. But we are committed to doing our part to prevent transmission of this very contagious strain of COVID. We do hope to be together in person again soon. You can find the order of service online using either the link that Jen will put in the chat or the QR code that will appear on your screen for a mobile device. If you're a guest today, please do complete the visitor form so that we're better able to stay in touch with one another. And we will honor community members' personal joys and sorrows later in the service this morning, so please send yours via email to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net. And remember that even remotely, you can participate in some of our worship rituals by lighting your own flame, whether that's in a chalice or not, by honoring joys and sorrows with your own bowl of water and pebbles or marbles or beads when we do that later in the service. So gather up your supplies if you don't have them nearby already. Thank you always to all the staff and the volunteers who make it possible for us to share a fully connected, engaged worship experience each week. Today, especially to Phil and Graham who are in the tech booth and Tim and Jen and Kim and Sarah in the background, thank you to all of you. This morning in this first live worship service of the new year, we will explore what it means to live with intention. As Henry David Thoreau so famously wrote in Walden, what it means to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if we could learn what it had to teach and not when we come to die, discover that we had not lived. So take a deep breath, settle in wherever you are, and open yourself in mind, in heart, in body to this worship experience. Hi, I'm Dory Chatel, and as we prepare to light the chalice candle, I will share the wise and wonderful Nadia Boltz Weber's A Blessing for the New Year. May you remember that there is no resolution that, if kept, will make you more worthy of love. 
there is no resolution that, if kept, will make life less uncertain and allow you to control a pandemic and your children and the way other people act. So this year, may you just skip the part where you resolve to be better, do better, and look better this time. May you give yourself the gift of really, really low expectations. May you expect so little of yourself that you can be super proud of the smallest of accomplishments. May you expect so little of the people in your life that you actually notice and cherish every small, lovely thing about them. May you expect so little of the supply chain and the service industry that you notice more of what you do get and less of what you don't and then just tip really well anyhow. May you expect to get so little out of 2022 that you can celebrate every single thing it offers you, however small, because you deserve joy and not disappointment. So I wish you as happy as possible, New Year. Thank you, Dory, for sharing those words. And now I invite everyone to join in speaking together our congregational covenant. These are those promises that we make with each other and to each other over and over again that bind us as a religious community. Strengthened by our common humanity, and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. And now Phil is going to let you all unmute briefly so you can say hello to one another. Go to gallery view on Zoom and see all these beautiful faces who are gathered here in worship today. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone. Hello, John. Hello, Bob. Good morning, everyone. Hello, Stuart. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good morning, Good morning. My name is Kelly Daniker. My pronouns are she and hers, and it is my joy to serve as the religious education assistant at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. Ever since I was very, very young, maybe five or six, I never had any doubt about what I wanted to do in the world. I was very clear on what my path looked like. I wanted to be in the arts. I wanted to act and sing. And so I did. I was always active in theater at every stage of my education. And when the time came, I set out with passionate intention into the professional world of theater, as an actor and a teaching artist. I felt lucky. 
But then the unthinkable happened. After 20 years or so of being on that path, I began to have doubts. What was once my passion began to feel more like a habit. My passion for the arts had become my job. And with that, it brought the frustrations that any job brings. I very vividly remember sitting at a dressing room mirror before a show one night at center stage in Baltimore and having the terrifying realization that I no longer felt a passion for performing or for teaching theater. I was lost. So in that moment, without any thought or any clear intention, I decided that the answer was to walk away from the arts and to get a job in corporate America. I won't go into the whole story, but I ended up in a job at a finance department and was eventually promoted to a development associate. But as you may have guessed, five years or so into that journey, I began to feel lost again. And the only difference this time was that I was sitting at a desk rather than a dressing room table. All of the old questions came back. Who the heck was I? What do I wanna do? And how do I want to impact the world? I felt lost on my path. So I took a few days off and I decided to travel an hour from my house to walk a labyrinth. In truth, walking a labyrinth had never been a large part of my spiritual practice, but in that moment, for whatever reason, I felt undeniably called to do so. And so as we prepare this morning to examine our intentions as, as individuals and as a faith community, I would like to invite us to walk a finger labyrinth together. Perhaps there's a question you wanna carry into the labyrinth. Perhaps you just wanna relax your mind and listen for whatever comes. Choice is yours. So we're gonna put a labyrinth up on the screen for you. And if you've never walked a labyrinth before, it's very simple. You'll see at the bottom there, there's an entrance into the labyrinth. And I'm gonna invite you to trace with your finger and try and find your way to the center of this labyrinth. Now we do have a bit of limited time this morning, so you may or may not make it to the center and back out of our labyrinth, but I ask you to be very intentional as you just take your time and walk through with your finger. All right, so when you're ready, you can take a deep breath and find the entrance to your labyrinth and trace along and see where you end up. So if you're still tracing wherever you are on the path right now is just perfect. Thank you, tech team, for our slide. On that day years ago when I took my labyrinth walk, I remember very clearly the thought I had as I reached the center. And it was, thank you for the clarity of your voice. I didn't know whether it was my voice or Mother Earth or God, and I still have no idea. But I remember the clarity that I felt in that moment when I intentionally made space to reset and to rethink and to reshape the way I was thinking about my life. 
when I open to the possibility of what might come next without relying on old perceptions or old habits or my old vision of who I was supposed to be. A labyrinth invites us into its center as it guides us into our own. Its gift to us is not that it provide answers, but rather it gives a new sense of courage and peace as we keep asking the questions. Happy Sunday, UCC. Thank you, Kelly. And in that same spirit of meditation that we take into a labyrinth, we're going to sing a hymn that it is inspired by a meditative spirit filled with loving kindness. It's number 1031. If you happen to have one of the singing the journey hymnals at hand, Michael will lead us. Please join in singing. Today is the second Sunday of January, and as is our custom on the second Sunday of the month, we are going to collect an offering and then give it away. And today, the second Sunday outreach offering is going to go to the Columbia Housing Center, which is very near and dear to me. Some of you are familiar with it already, but perhaps many of you are not. And it's our honor today to have Andy Masters here. Andy is the executive director of the Columbia Housing Center, and he's going to tell you all about how valuable your donations are to this growing center.
And after Andy finishes with telling you about the Columbia Housing Center, we're going to hear music again from Michael, and there will appear on your screen some instructions about how to contribute. Thank you for your generosity. And Andy, thank you for being with us today. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Several years ago, I was looking to move my family closer uh, to other family. I valued diversity in religion, race, and ethnicity, and was looking to make sure that my next home would offer my kids the opportunity to meet and befriend others who came from a variety of backgrounds. We checked out many homes in lots of neighborhoods, and when we ultimately settled on a place right across the street in Owen Brown, we were thrilled by the many amenities that the community had to offer. Yet after we signed our lease and started to meet folks, we heard a concerning narrative, one that centered on what we needed to be cautious of. The schools are not that good. Always double check and lock your car at night. Be careful walking around the lake. It was worrisome, but I thought it couldn't really be that bad. And as it turned out, it wasn't. The kids made great lasting friendships with classmates from a variety of backgrounds, and we never experienced anything but fantastic community with great people. The Columbia Housing Center is a new nonprofit with a mission to champion and sustain thriving, racially integrated communities throughout Columbia. Modeled after the Oak Park Regional Housing Center just west of Chicago, the Columbia Housing Center will promote this mission through a set of services and educational opportunities. This year, we will be launching the first of these in the form of a rental referral service. Through the Housing Center, potential renters will learn the history of Columbia and our organization's mission to promote racial integration. They will be then provided a list of available rental units that meet their needs and promotes the racial integration that makes Columbia such a fantastic place to live. We have secured grants from the Howard County Office of Housing and Community Development and the Horizon Foundation, grown our outreach efforts, and will be hiring a second team member in the coming weeks. But our work is still just beginning. We're very excited about the opportunity to move forward with carrying Jim Rouse's vision for an integrated Columbia into 2022 and beyond but we need your support. While we have those two significant funding resources to support our staffing needs, we would like to open a physical location soon as it is safe to do so. We also wanna grow our outreach and marketing efforts. With your help, we can launch the rental referral service this year and make it a, an impact on Columbia for years to come.
a poem written by Stephen Schick titled, Useful Anger. A good anger swallowed clots the blood to slime, said poet Marge Percy. But what is to be done with it, this anger that dare not be swallowed? Should it be diluted with denial, cooled with indifference? Should it be sweetened with good intentions, softened with lies? Should it be spewed out red hot over searing tongues, scorching the guilty and innocent alike? What's to be done with it, this anger that dare not be swallowed? Don't dilute it, deny it, or cool it. Don't sweeten it or soften it. But pause for a moment. Could you hold it before your eyes? Examine it with heart and mind. Could you hold it, then touch it to your belly, that place where your soul rests? Could you let it enter there, knowing it is the part of you that needs to be treated kindly, that needs to be listened to, that needs to be honored? For it has the power to save you to save us all. So I am a creature of habit. From morning wake-up routine, to how I prepare coffee, or fold laundry, or pack a lunch, to which routes I take when walking or driving, to where I shop and where I look for worship resources, and what are my default activities in my leisure time, I'm definitely a creature of habit. For example, when I began working exclusively from home in 2020, and like many people, many of you perhaps, I began taking more walks in my neighborhood, one day I took note of the fact that I was walking the dog on the exact same route every time we went out. Once I became aware of it though, I made the conscious, deliberate choice to change it up each time to travel on roads and pathways that were less familiar. It was a relatively little change, but its impact then and even now has been meaningful. I've seen more interesting wildlife, learned more about where the water naturally flows in our neighborhood, discovered some whimsical gardens and landscaping that delight me. But the fact is that without deliberate attention, Without intention, I will function almost entirely by rote. And that's fine. This habitualness is neither good nor bad. There's no inherent moral value attached to having a routine or not having a routine. And as individuals, our physical and neurological needs vary widely. Some of us, for example, genuinely need more routine than others do for the sake of mental or other health. And it's also true that there are times when change would be valuable, whether for reasons that are mostly about personal fulfillment or well-being, 
for the good of a community, in service of justice or sustainability. And so we determined that it would be better to break out of habits, to modify routines, to change behaviors, including modifying our habits that compel us to go, 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 do, 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 produce, produce, produce. Striving perpetually to be productive is its own kind of habit, and one that might just need adjustment. As you heard earlier from Dory, the words of Reverend Nadia Boltz Weber, at the beginning of this new year, may you just skip the part where you resolve to be better, do better, and look better this time. May you give yourself the gift of really, really low expectations. May you expect so little of yourself that you can be super proud of the smallest accomplishments. A minister named John Ortberg is credited with saying, habits eat good intentions for breakfast. Habits eat good intentions for breakfast. This statement rings quite true for me, and it means that if something is important and requires different behavior from me, then I have to be very intentional about changing that behavior. Whether it's a thing that's important because it's personally valuable to me, important because it's valuable to family members or other intimate relations, important because this congregation has voiced a commitment to it, or important because I've been offered information or insight that illuminates how my habitual behavior negatively impacts the world. Changing my walking routine was not a big deal in and of itself, but it had important impact, helping me flex my muscles of variation and explore a little of the world beyond my routine comfort zone. I'm still learning how to apply this lesson even more broadly. I suspect it's going to be a lifelong lesson. In Stephen Schick's poem, Useful Anger, we're invited to welcome and examine that which is often denied, dismissed, swallowed. It might be anger. It could also be our discomfort or guilt or a habit that is no longer serving our stated intentions. What's to be done with it, the poet asks, this anger that dare not be swallowed. Don't dilute it, deny it, or cool it, they say. Don't sweeten it or soften it, but pause for a moment. Could you hold it before your eyes, examine it with heart and mind? This is what it is to live with intention to choose to be self-reflective, to increase our self-awareness, to think, think critically, not only about those concrete behaviors, but also about things like how I think, whether I'm truly curious or open-minded or engaged in actual learning and growth, or do I seek only to reinforce what I already believe? To live with intention is to hold it before your eyes, examine it with heart and mind, as the poet wrote. Preemptive radical inclusion trainer, thinker, leader, changemaker, C.B. Beale, whom some of us know, reminds their students, don't believe everything you think. 
Neural pathways, rutted neural pathways, are very real, they remind us. Similarly, scholar and teacher and scientist Nate Hagens encourages all of us to think about how you think. It's called metacognition. Notice, he says, your own reactions to things, emotional, physiological, what brings pleasure, what makes you defensive or angry or delighted or fearful, and pay attention. These teachers encourage us to interrogate assumptions and habits and those things that just happen by default. Instead, invite yourself to practice new ways of being and thinking and behaving, they say. Even practice new ways of telling your own narrative or the narrative of your congregation or your denomination and its history. In a clergy seminar years ago, it was suggested that we don't really engage in conversation with one another very much. Instead, we just repeat ourselves the same stories over and over again without much critical thought or reflection. What would it be like to actually converse with one another, to really listen and share and gain insight into oneself and one another with intention? Relatedly, not only do the stories themselves matter, but language, the words we use, also matter. I haven't read her new book, but the, one of the things I've heard Dr. Brene Brown saying in interviews about it is that researchers are learning more about how important language is, that our vocabulary, our word choice, not only reflects our emotion, but shapes our emotion. Words not only reflect how we feel, they shape how we feel. We can, for example, choose to say, I'm so busy, or my life is really full. How does that affect the emotion of it? It was a bad day. Or I faced a lot of challenges today. She's really nice and quiet, you know. Or perhaps she observes very attentively. Those kids, they misbehave in school. Or those kids have a lot of energy and could use more time for gross motor activity. Act with intention, but also speak with intention. Tell stories with intention. Choose words with intention. They matter. One of the greatest gifts of being in religious community is the way we challenge each other not to be complacent or complicit. Instead, we encourage each other to live conscientiously with intention. At our family dinner table the other night, there was a discussion about the compulsory recitation of the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of each school day. As many of you know, there are two public school students in our household. And we learned in that conversation that one of them stands for the pledge, but doesn't say the pledge. 
The other doesn't even stand, much less speak. Now, this was all news to the parents at the table, and there was discussion among us about the reasons for those choices. The primary reason for both of them being that the pledge is a lie because there is not justice for all in the United States of America. And there was some debate about whether the parents thought those choices were okay, why it might be legitimate to speak the pledge as an aspiration or in honor of the liberty and justice that are present in this country and so on. In the end, there was general agreement that as long as the choice is a well-considered, thoughtful one, then any of those behaviors is acceptable, standing or not standing, speaking the pledge or not speaking it. And that it's important to acknowledge that each choice has potential benefits and potential consequences. So that's just one example from our family's dinner table, but it's the kind of engaged, considered discussion that is familiar among this congregation's members more broadly, too. And I'm very grateful for it. Intentions matter. It matters why we do what we do. It matters what we hope will be the outcomes. Buddhism even teaches that one's intentions lie at the heart of a person's morality. And... Good intention, especially ill-informed, careless, thoughtless good intention, alone is inadequate for truly principled living. For me, it's a matter of integrity. If I say that something is important to me, a value, a principle, a priority, a virtue, but my behavior and the consequences don't ally with what I have said is important, then my integrity is at stake. If I sincerely believe that I, as an individual, would be more content and my days would be more fulfilling if I wrote in my journal before I begin scrolling through news or social media in the mornings, then I need to intentionally change my behavior and actually do that. If I sincerely believe that we need to actively dismantle patriarchy and white supremacy culture, then I need to intentionally address the double standards and discrepancies about how people are portrayed in the media or in private conversation based on assumptions about their identity. If I sincerely believe that this COVID pandemic has taken a devastating toll on the mental health and physical well-being of everyone, especially on healthcare workers, educators, caregivers, and those who are living with long COVID, those who've died or who have had family members die from this disease, especially them, but really an impact on everyone. Then as a leader, I need to intentionally make decisions that ease the burden on the people in my care. I need to modify expectations about productivity highlight the value of activities that are restorative, restful, leisurely. If I sincerely believe that language matters, then I'll intentionally modify my language when I learn that my word choices are reinforcing harmful stereotypes or marginalization. I'll practice using the word siblings instead of the phrase brothers and sisters. I'll practice referring to them as slave labor camps instead of southern plantations. 
I'll practice using the word typical instead of normal in some contexts. I'll practice saying they when someone hasn't told me their gender. If I sincerely want a body with more dependable balance and core strength, then I will intentionally devote time to activity that strengthens those muscles. If I sincerely believe it's important to read books that expand my worldview beyond what is already most familiar to me, then I will seek works written by authors whose identities differ from my own, differ from the dominant American paradigm, authors who aren't of white Western European ancestry, who aren't cisgender, who don't live with privileges of wealth or formal education or within the heteronormative institution of marriage as I do. If I sincerely want to raise children who are independent thinkers, then I will intentionally allow them to make choices different from what might be my preference. I will listen and encourage and pose questions, but with curiosity, not with judgment. These admonitions are true for me as an individual, but the principles apply to our choices as an institution as well. If we collectively are sincerely committed to the values expressed in our covenant and our mission, that we will be a safe and welcoming community, that we will be nurturing of growth, that we will engage thoughtfully in the spiritual struggle, that we will delight in diversity, that we wish to impact the world for good and so forth, then we must set intentions and also modify behaviors to align with those intentions. We must interrogate our institutional habits and routines. Is our effort to welcome newcomers truly hospitable of differences that aren't already present in the congregation? Does our desire for our own comfort limit our capacity for real diversity? Do we try to avoid the struggle that's inevitable in a truly engaged spiritual journey? Are we willing to hear what radical changes are necessary for real justice? Climate justice, racial justice, gender justice, disability justice? We're entering the third year of a global pandemic that has thrown so much into disarray in all facets of our lives. One might argue that now, more than ever, it is critical that we choose to live with intention, interrogating our default behaviors and neural pathways, abandoning that which no longer nourishes or serves or enhances our lives, and investing ourselves only in that which is most truly valuable. In this new year, let's be gentle and fiercely loving with ourselves and with one another, with intention. Amen. Let's sing together again a hymn chosen today to be sung metaphorically, all our architects of fate, with music by our own Tom Benjamin. Thank you, Michael.
Colette Galwix. I use she, her pronouns. I'm your congregational president. I'm here to say a few words about Sean Griffin, our executive director who will be leaving UUCC in just one short week, and offer you two ways to wish Sean well. Sean joined UUCC in the fall of 2019 at a time of crisis in our congregation. When the Board of Trustees was hiring for the position at the time, I think we felt immensely lucky and excited to be bringing on someone who not only brought critical skills to our congregation, specifically Sean's knowledge of finance, budgets, and human resources, for example, but also had a deep connection to Unitarian Universalism and a strong desire to serve this faith and its values, and generally do meaningful work that makes the world a better place. Sean lived up to all of our expectations and has been fully committed to UUCC's mission especially our anti-racist and anti-oppressive aspirations from the start. Only a few short months after joining UUCC staff, the pandemic hit and completely upended our congregational life. Sean was instrumental in helping everyone quickly pivot to virtual and later hybrid worship services and events and transitioning into this new way of being in community. Through it all, Sean has been a fierce advocate for the staff not only for their fair treatment and adequate compensation, but also for their well-being, critical at a time when the pandemic has everyone at capacity. Sean is kind, thoughtful, funny, and incredibly generous with his time, especially when someone is in need. In at least two cases, he has gone well beyond the expectations of the job in service of someone with medical or pastoral needs. We are so grateful to Sean for giving so much of himself to UUCC. While he will be missed very much, we are glad that he will continue serving Unitarian Universalism in his next professional chapter. This morning, we're offering two ways for you to contribute to congregational thanks to Sean before his last day, January 16th. First, you may add a personal note to the Kudo board, which is like an online greeting card, and there will be a link in the chat for that. You may also make a donation toward a congregational gift through online giving. There will also be a link in the chat for this. Please select donation from the drop-down menu and write gift for Sean in the memo. In the spirit of this service, I invite you to be intentional about sharing your personal gratitude for Sean with him and consider one or both of these options. Thank you. Thank you, Colette. Thank you, Sean. We're going to miss you. 
Michael's going to help out with joys and sorrows today. We've decided to keep our chancel table up the way it is when we have worshipers in the space. We will drop a stone for each personal joy and sorrow that is shared. And we invite you to engage in this ritual in your own homes. And just one more for all of those things that we are holding among us unspoken at this time. May we be held in a loving embrace. And now will you join me for a few moments of prayer and silent reflection. Great and Holy Spirit of life, and love, there is so much that all of us are holding that feels like a burden, sorrow and loss and worry, physical pain, emotional trauma. May we have the strength that we need, the stamina that we need the love and the companionship and the encouragement that we need. And in turn, may we turn toward the world with love and hope and intention to bring that which is good and nourishing and just wherever we go and whatever we do. Let us share now a moment of stillness and quiet that each of us might know our own prayers. Amen. Blessed be.
We close with the words of poet Donna Markova, titled, I Will Not Die an Unlived Life. I will not die an unlived life. I will not live in fear of falling or catching fire. I choose to inhabit my days, to allow my living to open me, to make me less afraid, more accessible, to loosen my heart until it becomes a wing, a torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that which came to me as seed goes on to the next as blossom, and that which came to me as blossom goes on as fruit. Amen. Be well, UUCC. See you next week.
Your heart. 
Thank you. 